Lord, fill us with your spirit that we might be able to understand your word. We might be able to have fellowship in you. Father, we pray for every single person on this prayer list, Lord. We know who they are. There is so many, Lord God, that need prayer for help. And we ask that, Lord God, you would touch each one that are having prayer, that need prayer for their help. No matter what it is, Lord, if they're in surgery, they be successful, if they're recovering, we pray that they will, they will recover quickly. Father, if they're having other types of health problems, Lord, we just ask that you'll please. Just touch them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. You can heal physically, spiritually, and mentally. We ask that you'll do that for these folks. Lord, for those who are traveling, please keep them safe to and from their destination. For those who are having financial problems, Lord, we ask that you'll please help them with that. For those that are having relational problems, Lord, to relate to each other better with love. Father, there are many here who have unspoken prayer requests. I want to take just a few seconds to offer them to you. Lord, we pray for those who are having problems with substance. Make those substances that they are addicted to Make them distasteful to them, Lord, so that they will not enjoy it if they will give it up in prayer. And Lord, we also want to pray, Lord, for anyone else on the prayer list that has any other needs. Father, we ask that you'll each one, you know each name on this prayer list, Lord. And we ask that Lord God, you please help each one. Father, we pray for our church, that you would help us in this church to be a witness and a light in this community for you. May we use our resources for you, Father, and with your guidance. Lord, we thank you for everything you're doing in this body, and we just pray that you'll continue to help us and bless us. We pray for all of the churches around the world, Lord, that are teaching your word by means of your spirit. Lord, you bless them, help them, protect them. Lord, for your Christians, we ask that you help your Christian people their health, their marriages, or if they're single. We pray that you help all of your Christian people with their jobs and businesses and ministries, help those who are living in the disasters, living in countries where they cannot worship you openly, brokenhearted but hungry. Father, we thank you. We pray, Lord God, that you help our president and all of our elected officials to do your will, whether they know you or not, Lord. We ask, Lord God, that the the anti-God, anti-Christs, those who defame your name, perverts, I pray that you please um, just rid our country and the world, Lord God, of those folks that means to your justice and righteousness, Lord. Our first request, Lord, is that you'll send your gospel message to them very clearly, great sense of urgency. They might have maximum opportunity to accept it. And for those that will not accept it, we know that your righteousness will deal with those folks. Father in heaven, bless our servicemen and women wherever they're at. Grant them Christian fellowship. 
bring them home safely, Lord. Father, we want to pray that you will bless your word to us tonight. Grant us wisdom, discretion, understanding, and knowledge as we study your book. Father, these words are a lamp to our feet. They are life for us. They are water for us. Please just fill us with your spirit. Help us to understand or claim the blessing that comes from reading, hearing, and doing the words of Revelation. We claim the blessing, Lord, that comes with the hearing of your word that we might gain more faith. And Father, we thank you for that. Lord, bless this um, entire study to us, Lord, and just help us to know what you want us to know. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of people on the prayer list, isn't it? Okay, we are in the book of Revelation, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 13. Let's kind of do a little pick-me-up uh, of how we got here, okay? Now, if we understand the book of Revelation and what we've studied correctly, hey, Jesus, back with us. If we understand this book correctly, or even even close to correct, okay? Because I don't know that there's so much there's so much information here in Revelation. So much of it is hidden or is is figurative that sometimes it's kind of hard to separate literal, figurative, this from that. But where we're at is this. If we understand it correctly, Okay. The dispensation of the church is done. That ended in Revelation chapter 3. Okay. In chapter 4, John was taken up into heaven. And he was taken up in a vision. Is this a picture of the rapture or not? Some say yes, some say no. Uh, it is interesting that it comes right after chapter 3 and that the church is not mentioned in the subsequent chapters that everything focuses around Israel at that point. Now, in chapter 1, 2, and 3, Israel is not really the focus of attention. In chapter 1, Jesus is the focus of attention. <clears throat> And he is the focus of attention with the whole book. But chapter 2 and chapter 3 does hone in on the church, the letters to the churches. Chapter 4 and chapter 5 hone in on heaven and the Lamb in heaven and taking the scroll. Chapter 6, starting in chapter 6, that hones in on the seals. And then we see the trumpets and we see these judgments. And so where we're at right now in chapter 13 is we're about midpoint in the tribulation, okay? The first, and there's a lot of disagreement about what's going to happen. The first part of the tribulation, the first three and a half years, 
the Antichrist is going to come on the scene, but will he be possessed by Satan? You see, we don't know that. We know that in Revelation 13, we're going to see that the dragon Satan gives the beast empire, as well as the king of that empire, powers, satanic powers. So did the Antichrist have those powers during the first three and a half years of the tribulation? <coughs> Many say no. Many say that he got those powers in the middle of the tribulation. The tribulation starts. We know when it starts. It starts when this world ruler or um, very important uh, figure at this point in time makes a peace treaty with Israel. Now, Israel has been trying to be at peace with its neighbors forever. Cody, did you get that map done? Um, it has been trying to be at peace with its neighbors forever. Now, the problem with that is that its neighbors do not like Israel. And the reason for that is because God specifically chose Abraham and the Jewish race to be the procurers and protectors of God's word. And the, um, the Savior, thank you, is that my Yes. And the Savior would come from the Jews. Now, what... Um, what, what we're going to be passing out to you is on one side there's a map. And it's basically the map of the Middle East. Okay? And the reason that I want you guys to see this is because I want you to know where these nations are in relation to Israel. And when you look at the map, it will shock you a little bit if you haven't looked at the map recently. Okay? On the other side of the map is some information concerning Revelation chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 17. The two of those, along with Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 2, kind of go together. So as soon as they get finished passing those out, uh, we will head into Revelation chapter 12. If you just take, well, while they're finished passing down, if you take a look at your map, and kind of on the left side, soaring toward the top, I circled the name Israel, or not circled it, but I square it. You see that? Okay. So that little sliver of ground there to the left or the west of Jordan is Israel. And <laughs> look, just take a look at the nations around, okay? First of all, let's start with Egypt. Look how big Egypt is compared to Israel. Then if you go east, you go to Jordan. And then southeast, you've got Saudi Arabia. North of Saudi Arabia and east, almost directly east of Israel, is Iraq, 
and I ran. You go north, of, is built directly north, and it's Lebanon. And if you go farther directly north, it's Turkey, and then it's Russia. To the west, northwest of Israel is Syria. And then you've got up to the right-hand part of it, you've got Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, uh, Kazakh, wow, that one, yeah. And Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan, those are the stand nations. Those nations were formerly a part of the USSR, okay, Russia. So um, that's, can you see how small Israel is in the picture of that whole thing? It's amazing, isn't it? And, and yet, Israel is really the focus of history, especially as we relate it to the book of Revelation. Now, this map is going to come in handy to you, so please don't uh, toss it, because we're going to be studying tonight uh, this and the other side. So let me finish up real quick, okay? So half, halfway through the tribulation, Antichrist has made, and is, is he going to have the name Antichrist? Is he going to have a little, little name tag here with the name Antichrist? No, of course not. He's going to be uh, some type of a... Of a a political figure that is going to come out of the woodwork somewhere. He may be uh, alive today. Probably is. And uh, he's going to make this treaty with Israel. And many presidents, many kings have tried to make this, these, these, these treaties with Israel and his neighbors, and it just doesn't ever work. If you look at Genesis, I can't tell you what chapter it is, but it tells about the children of Ishmael. Right. And you know what it says about those kids? They're going to be wild like donkeys. And they won't even get along among themselves. However, when it comes to Israel against the, the, the children of Ishmael or Hagar, they, the children of Hagar will drop all of their petty differences to go against Israel. They will unite to go against Israel. They just hate Israel. Why do they hate Israel so much? Well, first of all, you've got to remember, God made certain promises directly to the nation of Israel. Many of those promises have come true now. They've been fulfilled. For example, the Messiah. He was a Jew who came out of Israel. But many have not been fulfilled. For example, Israel does not have the land that God has promised them yet. Israel has not become a nation of believers because uh, they just have rejected their Savior. And they, basically, they reject their Savior to this day. There is a growing movement of Messianic Jews. Okay? Messianic Jews meaning Jews that actually believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Okay? And that is growing, not only... Um, around the world, but in Israel even it's growing. So we're seeing a lot of different things happening in Israel. The pieces of the puzzle are getting together quite nicely. Now, where we are right now is we have studied the book of Daniel, and I'm going to be referring back to it several times. I'm glad we studied it before we studied this because I think it will help make it a lot clearer. Let's, uh, let me read chapter 12 to you as a review, 
And then we're going to get into chapter 13. Chapter 12 says this, and I'll be in verse 1. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and crowned with twelve stars on her head. This is reminiscent of Joseph's dream in Genesis. Jacob was the son. His mother, Rachel, is that right, Rachel? No, who's, who's, uh, who's the woman? Rebecca? Okay. Well, anyway, the mother was the moon, and the 12 stars were the 12 brothers, the sons. Okay? Now, it says, it says, she, so this woman is not Mary, it's not the church, it's the nation of Israel is what it is. Okay? It is the remnant of Israel that will be alive during this time. Now, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. So there she is, the second sign. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and seven horns and seven crowns on his heads. When we look at heads, we think about kingdoms. Heads are kingdoms, just like in Daniel, mountains were kingdoms. We're going to get into that today. When we think about horns, we think about rulers of those kingdoms. Okay, so these are both reminiscent of power. A kingdom has power, and a king has power. Okay? It says, with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Now this, many commentators believe that this goes back to when Satan, in his pride, rebelled against God. Isaiah chapter Ezekiel chapter 12 or chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 27 or 28, and took a third of the angels with him. They agreed to go with him, which at that point in time they became demonic. It says the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. Now if this dragon represents here a kingdom, okay, who would this, what kingdom would this be? Let's read it. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. What kingdom would that be? Rome. That would be Rome, wouldn't it? Because Rome is the one that was in charge when Jesus Christ was born. Now, it says, she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Now, this obviously is Jesus Christ. It has to be. But there can't really be much argument about this. This word was snatched is the same word that's used in 2 Thessalonians where it says that the saints were caught up together to meet the Lord in the air with the, with the dead who had risen. So he was snatched or raptured or resurrected, not resurrected but taken, okay, taken up to heaven 
to God and to his throne. The woman, that would be this remnant of Israelis. Now, between verse 5 and 6, we've got a couple thousand years. Okay? The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. That is three and a half years. We have seen three and a half years. You see 1260 days. You see a time, times, and a half a time several times, right? So the three and a half years is very important because the, the, the tribulation period is a total of seven years. Three and a half years from the beginning of the tribulation, which starts right after the rapture, is not called the great tribulation. The three and a half year period after that middle section is called the great tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble or God's wrath, etc. Now, it says, and there was war in heaven, verse 7. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. Now, it gives us a definition of who this is. That ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. <coughs> in this case, great dragon is personalized and it's called the devil or Satan. However, up in verse um, up in verse 4 it says the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. So this dragon could be this composite um, not composite, this Roman Empire, who influenced, who the Herod, okay, the, the head of the Senate, influenced by Satan, wanted to destroy the child. Okay? I mean, who but Satan kills? You know what I mean? He's a murderer, and, and, and he, he promoted or caused Herod to kill all those baby boys uh, so that he could eliminate the king of the Jews. So when we think about this dragon, ultimately it is either Satan or satanic uh, works, satanic work in a kingdom or in a king. Now, we see here, it says, the great dragon was hurled down, the ancient servant called the devil or Satan leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Now, um, this, we think, indicates Satan's last hurrah in heaven. Okay? Satan has been allowed access into heaven to plead his case before God and to accuse the brethren before God. Why God did this, 
Only his righteousness and justice knows that for sure because this is all part of the angelic conflict. This is all part of Satan when he was originally condemned saying how could a loving God condemn one of his creatures? Because that's what time is. So as we see Satan uh, we see Job, etc. who's come up before God this all has to do with angelic conflict and the resolution of that conflict. Okay? The conflict started when Satan in his pride said he wanted to be like God. Okay? And that has filtered down into the human race because there are many religions in the world that say you can become like a God. Right? And that is satanic to the core. Uh, you don't want me to become like God because I'm, I'm going to get my my uh, blowtorch out and start zapping you. <laughs> I won't say I'll start with this. Nobody in this church. <laughs> I will say it's probably going to be politicians. What the heck? Now, you know what it says? It says in verse 11. In fact, let me go back to verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God, for the authority of it and the authority of his Christ. A part of this coming kingdom is the satanic um, defeat. Okay? Satan being tossed out of heaven, Satan having a short time left to perform his evil stuff. And so the kingdom of God is real close. In fact, it's about three and a half years away at this point. Okay? It says, They, that would be our brothers, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But, here's your contrast, woe to the earth and the sea. So in the heavens, there's rejoicing. But on the earth, there's woe. Because the devil has gone down to you, he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, so now we know that this refers to the ancient serpent, Satan, or the devil, pursued the one who had given birth to the male child. That's the Israelis, the Jews. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle. We saw last week that God said that he, like an eagle, protects his people, okay, his Jewish people in this case. So the eagle, the great eagle, is God's protection. So that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert, where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. It's interesting because we read last week in Daniel that the um, descendants of Ammon and I forget who the other two were, but I have to go back to Daniel to, to look at it, okay? 
but they form the nation of Jordan. That they will not be affected by this Antichrist. Now, if you look at your map, you can see Jordan, the whole, the whole uh, west border of Jordan borders Israel, right? Now, the city of Petra is in Jordan. And the city of Petra right now is more, more or less a tourist attraction, although I do believe that there are people that live there. But it's widely rumored that this is where the Jews will go. They will go to the, the city of Petra for protection. And it is a very protected area. You have to enter it uh, to a very narrow canyon. Um, and God will supernaturally protect his people there. Do you have a question? Right? I did. So, is it just the Jews that will go to Petra, or will it be the Jews and any type of same believers in that country? Well, I, you know, that's a good question. Uh, we're specifically talking about the Jews here. Wouldn't surprise me if we didn't have a little Gentile here and there, though, because, you know, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a plausible. Okay, that says verse 15. Then from his mouth, his mouth, that's the dragon, that's Satan, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman, the Jews, and sweep her away from the torrent. So we don't know whether this is literal water or whether this is uh, referring perhaps to an army uh, or something like that. This could be a natural occurrence. This could be a supernatural occurrence. Um, one thing about the city of Petra is that um, because of its canyons and stuff, if there was enough, enough water that came down there, it would flood that city. So it's, it's hard to know whether, you know, I, I have a tendency to think this is probably uh, not literal water, probably armed forces or something like that. It says, verse 16, But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. So God is going to, God is going to supernaturally take care of this threat that is uh, coming toward these Jews. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commands according to the testimony of Jesus. So, not all the Jews will escape to Petra, but there will be some apparently elsewhere, obviously, that Satan is going to um, persecute. Now, chapter 13 Verse 1, it says, And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Now, let me just make this clear. We're all trying to figure this out together, right? So I do not pretend to know exactly everything that is um, contained here, the meaning of it. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure that anybody does really know all of the meaning, uh, because it's, it is it is very um, cryptic in some ways. It says, I saw a beast 
Now let me ask you this. What did we see in Daniel that was typified by the beasts? There was four beasts. Four beasts in Daniel. What were they? They were kingdoms. They were kingdoms. Okay. So this beast here could be a kingdom. So keep that in mind. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. This would refer to the Mediterranean Sea. If you look at your map real quick, okay, look at your map. You see where the Mediterranean Sea is up toward the left hand upper, okay? So let's look at the nations that border that. We've got Egypt, we've got Northern Africa, we've got Israel, Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, we have Greece, and there are other nations that aren't even listed there. Of course, Rome and um, parts of Eastern Europe, etc., do border this nation, this uh, sea. So it says, I saw a beast coming out of the sea. I believe that this is probably a composite kingdom. This is probably the revived Roman kingdom. <laughs> or Roman Empire. Coming out of the sea, he had ten horns and seven heads. Heads are um, heads are kings and we see. I'm gonna get mixed up here. Oh let me make sure. Okay, horns are kings, heads are empires. Okay. John? Um, so, why are the horns and the heads never equal? So, if you look in chapter 12, or, you know, verse, whatever it was, you can find it right now. It's verse 3. 3, you've got the same exact scenario as you have. Right. You have more horns than you have. So heads are kingdoms, the horns are rulers. Okay, let's 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 just take that for just a minute, okay? When we study Daniel and we study the kingdom of Greece, right? Okay? Who was the ruler of the kingdom of Greece? Alexander the Great. He would have been what? One horn, right? Okay. When Alexander died, what happened to his kingdom? He studied it. Divided into four kings. We've got one kingdom still. Now we've got four kings. So we'd have one head, four horns. Because those four, that kingdom was divided up, which we're going to study tonight. So, John, it just could be that... Um, we'll answer this in just a bit. <laughs> How's that chronological nightmare? It, it really is. It it it, That's the, it is. He said it's a chronological nightmare. Not we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try tonight, and I, I do emphasize the word try to make it clear. Okay? So let's just keep going and we'll we'll see if we can make it clear. Okay, it says here, I saw a beast coming out of the sea. So this nation 
or composite kingdom had the Mediterranean Sea. It was it was either on the sea or very close to the Mediterranean Sea. He had ten horns. This he in the Greek is a is not a masculine. It is a uh, neuter. So this could be translated. Probably should be translated. It had ten horns. Okay. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns, and each head had a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard. What kingdom in Daniel represented a leopard? Grecian, exactly. But he had feet like those of a bear. What kingdom represented the bear? Did somebody say Medes and Persians? The Medes and Persians. Okay. And we're going to find out where those people ended up. Okay. So the beast I saw resembled a leper, resembled the Grecian kingdom, but it had feet like those of a bear, that would be the Medes and the Persians, and a mouth like that of a lion. What? Babylon. Yes. Okay. The dragon. Okay, gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. The dragon here, we would assume, is Satan, and it gave this beast or composite kingdom and its king or kings its power and his throne and great authority. So this last kingdom, which comes before the millennial kingdom, okay, the only kingdom that's left to form after this kingdom is Christ's millennium. Okay? So this will be the last Gentile kingdom on the face of the earth. This kingdom we're studying right now. It says, one of the heads of the beasts seemed to have had a fatal wound. But the fatal wound had been healed. Now, if this is one of the heads, if the heads is for a kingdom, then one of the kingdoms that make up this composite kingdom has problem. And we've seen this before. We could say right now, let me, let me think if I can think of the best example. Well, let's just say this. Let's do this. Let's look at the kingdom of the United States of America. Okay? <laughs> Made up of 50 states. Okay, 50 states. Now, if one of those states goes bankrupt, then one of the heads has a problem. Okay? Because it was saying that the states are the head, okay, and that the the USA is the king. You understand what I'm saying here? Okay? So it could be that this composite kingdom which may be made up of Iran, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, Northern Africa, Egypt, uh, Lebanon, probably the Stan nations. Um, one of those nations could have some type of a fatal wound. What could that mean? Well, maybe they were attacked nuclear or something. Who knows? Or maybe they had uh, a devastating earthquake or some type of thing that really hurt the country. 
Yeah, if you look at the European Union, Greece is a mess. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah exactly. Now, yeah. so again, we're just working through this thing, okay? It says one of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound. Now, some commentators feel that this is the Antichrist, okay? that the Antichrist has a fatal wound, and that this the Antichrist will eventually be in essence, resurrected from the dead. Okay? Now, the question then is asked, can Satan resurrect from the dead? No. I don't think he can. I don't think he's got that kind of power. There's a lot of power that's given to him, and we'll see that in just a few minutes, but to resurrect from the dead, I don't think so. Could Satan do that deceptively? Yes. Satan can do just about anything deceptively. In fact, let me just read uh, something to you because it went along right before we study, and you don't have to turn to it, you would rather have you listen to it. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Here's what it says. Okay. Speaking about this end time ruler, he says this. He says, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, because they didn't love the truth and refused to be saved, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all be condemned and not believe the truth and have delighted in wickedness. We're seeing that delusion today. It's here. You know, when when you, you think about the word of God as being truth, okay, then those who feel homosexuality is Okey-dokey are in violation, direct violation of the word of God, and so they are deceived in that way. Those who believe that wholesale abortion is a right, okay, I mean, I think there are probably times when abortion is necessary, all right? I, I, won't, I won't go all the way and say it's never necessary. But wholesale abortion and birth control, there are those people who say it's it's a, it's it's okay, it's a right that we as humans have to choose. Well, you know what? I don't think God says it's a right. I think that God says when you murder somebody, you murder somebody. Kind of and there are more. You realize that there are people that say that we should abolish capital punishment. Capital punishment in the Bible is endorsed. It says if you don't do it, you're going to get screwed up as a, as a nation. You know, and are those things nice? Well, no. I mean, putting someone to death is not nice. But you know what? But that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. It's also really important for 
capital punishment. Yeah. Um, I have to think about that. It is. It is addressing. So what I'm saying is this, okay, is that we have delusion today and deception today. I heard a um, presidential candidate, I've heard a couple of them say, we should allow felons in prison to vote. Yeah. Because they have rights. When they committed the crime that they committed and were incarcerated, they gave up their rights mm -hmm. at that point in time. Now, when they get out, they'll have rights back. Now, that doesn't mean that we, that we torture them, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there are certain basic human uh, God given rights that, that we have to abide by. That but to vote, they hate that privilege. Whereas actually, if you are felon, you cannot do some kind of job. You cannot go to a, in a school. You cannot go into a government like the police station and one of those uh, places. Because you are felon, you you are you free. You paid up, but you got that thing on you. Exactly. These people were compromised right and wrong for the sole purpose of getting elected. That, you know, principle was right out the window. Well, and it's very sad. I mean, where absolutes have become blurred now, right? There's nothing absolute If you feel good about it, then that's good for you. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer felt real good about killing people and eating them. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah, I, I was talking about this today and how, you know, God built a conscience into every one of us. And the real freedom in Jesus Christ is to know that you can say no and feel good about it. Yeah, we have the freedom to sin, but we don't have to, and we can feel good when we say no. Absolutely. Okay, let's continue on from Revelation. I'm going to make sure I can. Yes, of course. Now, because where we are now in Revelation, this is after the right? Oh, now that's a good question. Um, I would, I would, I would say yes. Okay, there's two wars that I believe that. There's three wars that are still, I believe, future. Number one is Psalm 83. Number two is Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. And the third war will be the War of Armageddon. Okay? The War of Armageddon will come at the very end. The Psalm 83 war, and you, your homework assignment is to go read that psalm and find out who's involved in that war. That may happen before the rapture. Psalm 83. But in it, it may be, but I. Um, there was 67, 73. Of the 
because Israel has became a powerful nation. Does these other nations want to come in and take this forth? So what we'll do is we will study Psalm 83 uh, here in a couple, two, three weeks. And we'll, we'll examine it. Because you could be right. Um,
This is, we're going to see, this is going to be a system of false religions, okay? Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. Now, uh, most of you commentators believe that this is going to be a system of false religion, a one-world religion, if you will, okay? And um, I personally believe, and I don't mean to be, um, I don't mean to be uh, dissing anything, but I believe that probably the Catholic Church will be uh, right, right there at the head of this because when it says the woman was dressed with purple and scarlet, those are the colors of the Catholic Church. Glittering um, gold, precious stones, and pearls. The Catholic Church is the richest, one of the richest entities on the face of the earth. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Vatican is a country in and of itself. It's not just a city, it's considered a sovereign country. So it could be that one of the parts of this composite beast could be Vatican, a sovereign country. Now, are there Catholics that know the Lord? Yes, absolutely. Are there Catholics that are born again? Yes, they'll be taken in the rapture. And then the rest of the Catholics, Protestants, Episcopals, Presbyterians, and the rest of the so-called Christian people that have never been born again, they'll be left. Okay? Along with the unbelievers. Now it says here, she had a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead. Mystery. Okay, so that is the title. Mystery. Now, we go to the descriptive part of this. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. So this false religious system will be persecuting true Christians. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery, that was the title of, on, the, on, the, on the, her forehead, of the woman and of the beast she rides. Which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come up out of the abyss and go to his destruction. So we're going to have to explain that next week, too. The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast because he once was. Now is not, and yet will come. This calls for mine the wisdom. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's got to be the under. That's why I'm having so much trouble. That's the under <laughs> of the Bible, isn't it? Okay. Now it says here, um, the seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. Now. 
70 hills could be <coughs> several mountains. Now, there is many commentators saying that we're speaking of the city of Rome, because the city of Rome is known as the city of the seven hills. It actually has nine here. Um, so we, we will, I think really this is talking more about uh, kingdoms or kings. In fact, in verse 10 it says, they are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not come. But when he does come, he must remain for a little while. The beast, who once was and now is not, is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but for but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So that just interpreted the waters for us, okay? The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So the, many of the commentators believe that this religious system will eventually be borne um, down by the political system. And, and when we look at that, is there any precedent for that that you can think of? England? That's a pretty good example. Yeah, he did. He just uh, the king of England. Okay, he was. Uh, I think that I think that the Catholics were were wanting to condemn him because he got a divorce and got married. Yeah. And so he says, you know what? I'm just going to start my own religion. And I believe it might have been the Anglican or something George like that. Okay. George? Okay. George? Uh -huh. like the fake forms, you know, like this, like some commentators, they were talking about the European Union. Correct. Some of the, in the European Union, some of those countries, they still have power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. Was I tell you? Everything is under God's control. Okay? The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. And we'll find out who that is. Um, many people believe that that is Rome. Some believe that that is Jerusalem. Some believe that it's New York. So we'll see. Now, um, Boy, let's uh, let's take a minute and go to your map, okay? And but go to the other side of the map, okay? So let's let's look at this uh, this uh, study here, and we can tweak this. But I I wanted to get this to you. I never print 
something that's just one side. I always have to put something on the other side. So that's what I, that's what I put. Revelation 12c says the dragon has seven heads and ten horns on his head from seven diadems or crowns. The dragon is interpreted as Satan. This represents Satan's dominion over seven world empires. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And then the seventh would be the future revived Roman Empire. The ten horns are placed on this empire based on Daniel 7, 23-25. The ten horns are ten kings which arise in the future. This is the kingdom from which the Antichrist will rise. And I also uh, printed over on the right there, heads equals kingdoms, horns are rulers and kings, mountains equals kingdoms, and beasts equals kingdoms slash kings. Now, second paragraph down, this is Revelation 13, 3, tells us, we just read this, tells one of his heads was wounded as if slain. Some have wrongly interpreted this to mean the Antichrist will receive a head wound, appear to have died, and then come back to the life. Notice it says one of his heads was wounded. Remember, the beast has seven heads, and only one head is wounded. And in Revelation 13, 14, it says it was wounded by a sword. That's the reason I said one of these nations, one of these composite, one of these nations that make up the composite kingdom could have gone to war or something. Yeah, it wouldn't seem like a, a political meltdown or a financial meltdown. It would be a battle battle. One would think, yeah, the sword. Yeah. Right. Okay, so now the head that was wounded was the sixth head Rome, which was conquered by the sword, but will come back to life in the future to become and revive Roman Empire just before the And on his heads were blasphemous names. Verse 2 describes the beast as a leopard, a bear, and a lion. We've been over that. These are the same beasts as described in Daniel 7, 4, 6, except in reverse order. Daniel was looking into the future to see these kingdoms, while the Apostle John looks back on them as fulfilled history. In this description, we get more details. Number one, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon is the lion, Egypt, Persia is the bear, Greece is the leopard, and Rome and the future revived Roman Empire. Now, I wrote on the left there, note all these nations warred or had uh, negative relations with the nation of Israel. Okay? Now, on the right-hand side, I wrote down, you see where it says number five, Greece, leopard, and I put it off the we will study, and we'll go back into Revelation chapter 13, and we'll see if we can 